with us, you know, love having you. Yeah, love having you guys with us. Uh, if you ever want to uh, come and contribute like others do, it doesn't have to be long and profound and well thought out. Um, I mean, you've heard me speak, right? So do feel free. Uh, we'd love to, yeah, we'd love to have you guys uh, do that. Right, confession time. Uh, it was not supposed to be me preaching this week. Um, it was supposed to be Jamie, who is an outstanding preacher among us. Uh, and uh, uh, you may remember last Sunday, I, I preached the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'm preaching next week, so you've got me three weeks on the trot, uh, for those that want to make plans next Sunday. Uh, and uh, I, so this week, having you know, put to bed chapter 4, I, I thought, right, let's get organized for a week or so ahead and uh, see what I'm preaching on. And uh, I was preaching on the beginning of uh, chapter 5, and I thought, fine, I'll you know, gather a few thoughts and, and, and thing, make a few notes. And then on Tuesday evening this week, I was just uh, uh, rocking our little girl to sleep, and this thought dawned on me, I finished chapter 4 last Sunday, and in a week's time I'm starting chapter 5. Then what's Jamie preaching on this Sunday in the middle? And this, this, the, the, the kind of horror dawned on me that I had preached what Jamie was, last week what Jamie was supposed to preach this week. So, innocent mistake, but my mistake. So I'm sorry, Jamie. He was very gracious uh, when, I, when I phoned him to uh, explain what uh, my folly uh, very gracious, but uh, had already prepared <laughs> and uh, busy week after that point, and so didn't have time to redo. So, uh, so what we're doing now is going back to the beginning of chapter four, and then next week we'll go forward to the beginning of chapter five. So, uh, I'm sorry, Jamie. Thanks for being uh, gracious with me. But should we turn to the beginning of one Thessalonians, chapter four? Quick intro, Paul had planted this church in Thessalonica and then uh, had to leave town in a hurry, been chased out of town. And uh, so the, this letter is uh, uh, really stuff, I guess, if he'd have been able to stick around, that he'd have taught them, you know, foundational early stuff of being a believer. Um, and so for us, it's great. It's, uh, it, it's uh, yeah, it, it helps us, relevant for us here and today. Um, so let's dive right in. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you in order, how to, in order to please God. Your translation might say, how in order to, to walk, you know, how to walk in order to please God. How in order to please God, live as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. And we're going to see that phrase more and more a few times uh, here. But it's, it's speaking, it's not something that's static. You know, when it says more and more, it's not uh, do something and then that's done, is it? You know, if someone says more and more, there's a, there's a growing. It, it's not a passive sort of static thing. It's, it's growing. Verse 2, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Paul here, he's reminding them. He said, look, you know, you've been, have you put into practice what I taught you? You know, you've, you've talked the talk, now, now it's time to walk the walk. You've come to faith, now live it out. Because the, the life of a believer, the life that the gospel calls us to, it's, it's countercultural, isn't it? It's completely revolutionary. And he's trying to make that point. It's, you know, don't just assimilate with culture, don't just fit in with culture around you. It's totally revolutionary. The life of a, of a believer, of a follower of Christ, is totally different. And he says, what I taught you, it wasn't from me, it wasn't Paul's just thoughts or uh, you know, opinions on things. Paul's saying, well, this is how I, I think you ought to do it. No, no, he's saying it's, it's from the Lord Jesus. It's by the authority of 
the Lord Jesus. I wonder, how, how do you gauge what is right or wrong? How do you gauge how to live your life, you know, in terms of what is, what is right or wrong? Do you take, that from, take your lead from family in terms of upbringing, friends? Uh, you know, you kind of look at friends and you think, well, I mean, we've all got that friend, haven't we, who's, um, who's a bit of an idiot, you know, and makes some strange decisions. And you sort of think, well, I'm, I'm not like that. You know, <laughs> that's okay. I've, you know, I've got, I'm, I've got one on, on him or her, or maybe you're that person. Um, but maybe... Uh, maybe culture, you know, you kind of uh, think, well, you know, what's, what, what's culture say about this? You know, in terms of how I, where I'm taking my lead from for, for this decision. Maybe it's the law, you know, if it's legal. Well, if it's legal, then, you know, it's okay. I remember we, uh, I mean, I think a lot of us have found this hard in, in the last year, haven't we? When uh, the law, particularly around, and the guidance, particularly around all, all of the things in the pandemic has been confusing at, at best, hasn't it? And we've all had to kind of navigate away with our conscience and what's the right thing to do and just because it's legal and oh, all the rest of it. I remember we were going on holiday, uh, foreign holiday last, no, was it this year? Yeah, this year, sorry, this year. And um, I, uh, it was, uh, it, you know, the government said it was fine, so it was legal and it was just coming up and we were just sort of beginning to work out how, you know, how we could do it with, you know, and, uh, and so on. And... Um, and then I remember driving, and the radio was playing, and people were talking about about it, and uh, you know, foreign holidays, and they were kind of, and people were, you know, the, the presenters on this radio were kind of saying, well, you know, I don't, I don't think it's right. Of course, it's not right to go on a foreign holiday, and and of course, you think, oh well, have we made a bad decision? And so it, it it's kind of where do we take our lead from for decisions? Maybe it's just yourself, your own judgments. You know, what do I, what do I think about this situation? What what's my view of it? Uh, and I'm going to you know rule on on what to what to do about this situation. How do we gauge what is right or wrong? Because it's crucial that we know the answer to this question before we read on. <laughs> it's crucial we know the answer to this question because as followers of Christ, it's the, it, how we gauge what's right or wrong isn't based on our own judgment or on the, the opinion of friends or culture or, 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 or so on. It's on the words of God. As Paul writes, it's on the authority of God, the authority of the Lord. It means, what does God's word say about a particular situation? What does God say about a situation? How can I please God in this area of my life? Because far too often we're, we're shaped by culture around us. We're shaped by external factors and friends and family and media and, and things like that. And uh, people will say things like, well, I'm not, I'm not hurting anybody. And so, I can't, you know, it's a victimless crime or, or something like that. Or, well, so-and-so does it. And so it worked out okay for them. And, you know, I feel okay about it. So I don't, I don't really see a problem. Um, but the question on the lips of the followers of Jesus, the question... If, if, if we're followers of Christ, is this. How can I live in order to please God? That's what Paul is writing about here in, in verse 1. He's encouraging us to live in order to please God. Not to please other people, not to please family or parents or colleagues, or how to live in order to please God. I wonder what you think of... Uh, when I say that, what, what do you think that looks like, living in order to please God? Is it, is it doing X, Y, and Z? Is it, is it pitching up here on a Sunday? Hey, if I, make it, if I make it to church on a Sunday, that's, I'm done for a week. Uh, you know, uh, is it being a good person, whatever, whatever, whatever that means? 
what does it mean? Well, the answer, how to please God, is in verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, let's just explain that word. It's a, a complicated, well, not really, but it's a word you might not be familiar with. It, sanctification, it means becoming more like Jesus. What sanctification means? It means becoming more like Jesus. And when we, when we come to faith, when we, when we put our hope and our trust in Jesus and repent of our, of our old life, then there's a, there's a moment where we're, we're sanctified. Suddenly, when, when, when God looks at us, we, 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 he sees Jesus. He sees us as pure and holy, but but it's also a process, so it's not just a, a moment, it's a process in our lives that won't be completed until Jesus returns. It's a process in our lives where we're being made in, into the likeness of Jesus. And it means you might walk into church and you might be a new Christian and uh, I think this would be very normal, you might look around and you think, they, they have all got it sorted, you know, they, are, uh, they know the words of the songs and they're lifting their hands and, uh, you know, these guys have all got it sorted and, and I haven't. Well, the doctrine of sanctification tells us that they haven't got it sorted. It's a process that all of us go through. So whether you're, uh, whether you're young guys like Radiate or whether you're an older person like Paul, then it's still, it's still going through it, right? It's, it's a process that we're all going through. It won't be completed until Jesus returns. That's what it means, sanctification. It's a moment, but it's a process too. And that's how we please God. And then, so with that in mind, with, with, we've kind of established uh, how believers are to, to, to gauge, how to live their life. It's not what's right or wrong, it's how can we please God in a particular situation. And now we know what to, how to please God is we're being made into the image of Christ. Then, Paul goes on to address two particular areas. Deep breath. Verse 3. That you should avoid sexual immorality. To be clear, Paul is is speaking here about sexual activity outside the bounds of marriage. Verse 4, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. That, uh, that uh, packs a punch, that, that verse, doesn't it? You know, that speaks of, 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 of judgment, of God seeing, and of, and of judgment, and that ought to prick our conscience. Verse 7, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And so he's saying that, that when, we, when we sin, maybe, uh, you know, it's, it's sin, it's, you think, oh, I've sinned, against, I've sinned against that person, or I've, I've sinned against myself, you know, I've let myself down. But also, you've, Paul's saying, you've, you've sinned against God, you've sinned against the Lord. And these are, these are serious warnings, aren't they? And you might read this and think, well, uh, you know, if you, if you know your, your church history and so on, you might think, well, I've, you know, I remember the, the, the church in Corinth and, uh, you know, it was a sexually pervasive culture, you know, there was lots going on, it doesn't really apply today, but so is our culture. Our culture is, is like that too, isn't it? And maybe you, you hear this and you can, I think we can kind of fall into, uh, fall into a few traps. You can fall into the trap of maybe, maybe right now as I'm speaking, you're feeling convicted of uh, something in your life or in the past 
Well, the, the wonder and the glory of the gospel is that you can be completely forgiven, completely made clean. And if you've repented, if you've turned away from, from, from that, if you've repented and come to faith, then, then, then you're forgiven, you're made clean, and it's been paid for and dealt with at the cross. But the other trap you can fall into is think, well, I know, I know God is gracious, I know he's good, I know he'll forgive me no matter what. Be very careful, be very very careful. Repentance, it's, it's turning away from that, from that old life. It's, it doesn't mean we then just walk perfectly and that we're not, we don't still get it wrong and make mistakes, but it means we turn away from that old life. And so if you're, if you're living thinking, well, it, it doesn't really matter how I live because God's gracious and he loves me and he's, the cross, it means everything is forgiven, so therefore it doesn't matter how I live, then, then folks, you've not really understood or received grace because it, grace teaches us, it. yes, it means love and undeserved love and favor and mercy, but it, it also Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It also teaches us to say no to that. It doesn't, it doesn't mean we, as I say, we, we, we walk perfectly, we don't slip up, we don't make mistakes. No, 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 it's a sanctification, it's a process. Yeah, it's a process. But it, it means we, we, don't, we, we don't live, we don't live in, 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 kind of, in guilt. It doesn't mean we live in guilt and condemnation. But it also means we don't live with, with a sense of, oh, grace is free and I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. Or maybe the other trap you fall into, particularly in, around this subject of sex, is, well, well what about this? Well, Steve, what about, what about that? Is, that? is this okay? Is that okay? You know, the Bible doesn't really mention this or, 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 or that or so on. That's, that's the wrong question to be asking. That's not the, the mindset of a follower of Christ. Because do you remember back in verse 1 or 2, uh, verse 1, Paul, Paul wrote about walk in order to please God. Yeah, so we're not we're not walking in order to. Is this okay? Is that okay? No, oh, no. the question is, oh, how can I walk in order to please God? And maybe you're thinking, well, to be a, to be a, uh, I can't. You know, maybe you're not a, not a, you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, and you're thinking, well, how can I? Uh, it, it, I don't want to follow become a Christian because it's all do this and don't do that. Well, I want to tell you how that that uh, that thinking is wrong. That thinking is wrong. But I think that we, we, struggle to, we struggle to obey. We struggle to, to, to follow some of these instructions that Paul writes us. Not because we don't know them, but because we don't understand of what, what Jesus has done for us. Because we don't understand or truly believe what Jesus has done for us. That he chose you before the beginning of time. That he knit you together in the womb. That he... He died on the cross for you, for me, to give you mercy and grace and freedom. And I think if we don't understand those things, we don't understand the wonderful free gift of grace that we're adopted into his family, if we don't understand the wonderful, the, way, the, the extent of his love for you and for me, if we don't understand that or believe it completely, I think it's impossible for us to, to joyfully follow some of these things. Because we just, it just becomes sort of, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I need to earn this, I need to, to do that. But if we, if we truly understand and believe that it's been paid for at the cross, if all the things that we've done, ever done wrong or thought wrong, or they've all been paid for at the cross because of the love, because of his great love for you and for me, if we truly believe that, I think we can joyfully follow these things, albeit we get it wrong, it's a process. 
if we understand the power of the gospel, that, that as I said, going back to sanctification, we're already changed. We've already been transformed, and we go on being transformed. That as Paul writes in Ephesians, that we've received every spiritual blessing in Christ, and that we're seated with him in the heavenly places. Right now, seated with him in heavenly places. If you know Jesus, that's true for you and me right now. That we've been called, that we've been regenerated, forgiven and adopted. And if we're followers of Jesus, these things have already happened. They've already happened. And now, in light of that, we're called to live like that. Or to put it another way, we are to become what we are already in Christ. That's what sanctification is. It's, it's to become what we already are now in Christ. But there's mercy when we get it wrong. There's mercy. There's forgiveness. There's grace. And there's the Holy Spirit to help us. There's the Holy Spirit to help us. Do you understand the gospel? Understand and truly believe the gospel that you're, everything you did wrong is paid for at the cross by Jesus' blood. And do you dwell on it? I don't know about you. We, I find myself, I'm forgetful. The, 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 the weight and worries of the world can just uh, press in and, and those, those wonderful truths can... can yes, I, it's not as though I, don't, I, I no longer believe them, but somehow I no longer apply them to my life. Yeah? We need to, I don't know about you. I, I think we need to, to dwell on these wonderful truths of the gospel like Paul so helpfully reminded us of in his contributions, we need to dwell on these wonderful truths and remind ourselves because we're forgetful. We get distracted with other, other things. In, in life groups, you know, they're groups that meet in homes during, during the week. We just remind ourselves of this, this hope that we have in Christ. Let it not just be a place where, uh, you know, it's good, but not just where, where struggles and difficulty are shared, though, though that is good. But let it be a place where, where hope is shared too. It's great. You know, I, love, I love it. Life groups and, and running partners. Running partners are just groups of, I don't know, three or so or more uh, people just run together like running partners and just encourage, share, uh, good accountability with one another. But again, it, let it not just be a place where there's difficulty is shared and, and, and prayed through and so on. Let it also be a place where hope is shared too. Hey, I'm, I'm really, you've, 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 you've slipped again, you've fallen again, you've got that wrong again. Okay, let, let's see how the gospel applies to that. There is hope. There is hope for you in that situation. You're not written off, you're not stuck in that pattern of behavior forever and a day. No, no, there's hope. Let it be a place where hope is shared too. Sundays, uh, when we gather like this and we, we talk after the service and folk contribute, let it be a place where hope is shared. Hope in the gospel is shared. Radiate when you guys uh, go out and gather. Let it, let it be a place where, where hope is shared, not just difficulty at, at school or so on, but, but hope, hope in the cross. Let's be reminding one another of this hope. Okay, point two, verse nine. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to, live, to love excuse me, each other. And in fact, you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. Oh, I'll tell you when I read that, I thought, thank God, not another telling off coming up. Uh, anyway, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. There's that phrase again, more and more. So it's not we just reach a point of loving one another and uh, it's kind of right, I'm there. No, no. It's more and more. We're to be growing in love, more and more. And if you've been a Christian uh, for a while and you think you're there, 
you haven't got it yet, still more to go, I'm afraid. You know, you might have grown in it, come a long way, great, still more to go. Uh, and verse 11, and, make it, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business. Any busybodies out there? Live peaceably, don't meddle in other people's affairs, he's saying. And work with your hands, just as we told you. Now, he's not telling you to quit your desk job and you know, become a tradesman. Uh, okay, that's not what he's saying here. Um, and in fact, you could miss, miss this, this wonderful bit that's going on here. Um, What's happening is, this church, such was their love for one another, such was their, their love for other brothers and sisters in the church family, such was their love uh, that when there was somebody in need, when somebody couldn't pay the bills, or somebody had no food, or nowhere to live, or something like that, that other people in the church would, would step in and meet that need. Yeah, so maybe somebody's got no income, or you know, struggling to pay a bill, People, other people in the church would step in and meet that need. That was their love for one another. And by the way, Paul says, keep going, more and more. Yeah? So even that, not enough. Keep going, okay, keep going. So imagine that, this wonderful culture of just need. You know, it's kind of Acts 2 stuff, isn't it? You know, where there was need, there was sharing. There was... Okay, so much was going on. He's now saying, people were taking the mick. People were like, well, why bother getting a job? Because these, these people, they love me so much and they're willing to share so much of what they've got that I don't really need a job. I don't need to worry about a job. And Paul's saying, no, 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 get a job. Okay? So I, I, I think there's a, a challenge for us there. One, if uh, you haven't got a job, get a job. But really, I think the challenge is what our love for one another. What's our love like for one another? Do we, do we love one another with a love that's just so radical, so kind of, oh, you've got, you've got need? How can, how can I, how can we meet that need. I love it. And it's because when you understand what, what Jesus has done for you, when you understand all that he has done for you, all that he has given freely to you and for me, of course you'll, you'll grow in love for one another. Of course you'll, you'll, be, you'll have a generous spirit. When we're uh, thinking of the gift day in, in a moment, I wasn't planning, I mean, obviously I wasn't planning to preach this this week, but, uh, you know, we get to grow in this, this sense of generosity because of all that Christ has done for you and for me. So why do all of this? The answer is in verse 12, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent upon anybody. So there's two points there. Paul wants us to influence outsiders. He wants, he wants the world to, to know this wonderful grace and gospel he wants, he, 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 by what goes on in our lives. And the second point is he wants us to be dependent upon no one but him alone. Dependent upon no one but him alone. He's not saying you're not going to need anybody, things aren't going to be difficult, it's not going to be hard. Life is going to be hard. But be dependent upon me. That's what he's saying. Be dependent upon Jesus. I wonder, how are you, are you, are you seeking to please God? When you look at your, your life, are you seeking to please God or please yourself, please somebody else? Or are you seeking to please God? It's not, what, it's not what saves us, to be absolutely clear. It's not what saves us. We're saved by the cross, by what Jesus did at the cross. It's the free, undeserved, unmerited gift of grace. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But James does, James, in the book of James, he writes that, that faith without works is, is dead. It's dead. He's not saying it saves you. He's not saying, oh, do this, do that, and, and Jesus will love you or forgive you. He's not, it's not what he's saying at all. But he's saying, if, you, if, you're, if, you're genuine, if you've got a genuine faith, 
it's going gonna, it's gonna to change who you are. It's going ch- to lead to works. Yeah? You're going to have gratitude of your heart of all that he's done for me. It's going to change, change the way you, you make decisions. It's going to change the decisions that you make. It's going to change the, the whole direction of your life. And I would, I would hate for any of us to be in that place where we, we're maybe kidding ourselves and we think, well, I, yeah, I came to, came to faith and I, I don't pray to prayer, whatever, whatever that means, and, uh, but there to be no, to be no fruit and, and to be living in a faith that's dead. Well, we're just pretending or kidding ourselves. I say it doesn't, we, it doesn't, it, we can't earn it. It's not as though we need to repay it or anything like that. We do it out of all, out of gratitude, of a transformed heart of all that Christ has done for you and for me. It doesn't mean pleasing God. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. We don't get it wrong. It doesn't mean that we're perfect now. It means becoming more like him. With the Holy Spirit's work, it's not try harder. Oh, I've messed up again. Try harder. It, it, the Holy Spirit is, has changed and is changing you if you know and follow him. But it's, it's resisting sin. As I mentioned before, it's great grace. If you understand grace and understand all that he's done for you and focus on that, it will, it will help you say no to sin. Grace will, will, te- will teach you to say no to sin. If you're struggling with sin, let me encourage you. Don't start with the, oh, I've got to try harder. Okay, let's go again. Let's try harder. Start with focusing on Jesus. Remind yourself of what he's done for you. I know the battle can be fierce, but it, the Bible says resist the enemy and he will flee from you. So there is, a, there is a way out. There is a way out. But we all need help. We all need help with this. We all, we all sin and step up and get it wrong, but there is the wonderful free gift of grace. There's that process. We're, we're, not, we're not perfect now. That's how he sees us, but we're being made perfect. We're being made perfect. We're chosen, loved, forgiven, adopted. It's wonderful, rich truth. We don't deserve any of it. The wages of sin is death. That's what, we, that's what you and I deserve. But the, Jesus dying on a cross, paying the price with his perfect life for you and for me because of his great love for you. And when we know who we are in Christ, when we know that, when we know that we're adopted sons and daughters, forgiven, freely forgiven, loved, adopted, then we can begin to live out in light of that wonderful truth. Shall we stand? Perhaps the band can come back up, and I'm going to pray. Where I touched on a subject that can uh, can trigger up all sorts of things in in one another, and uh, just want to pray, but also just allow the Holy Spirit to come and work. If if you do feel just convicted, the one you can receive that love, forgiveness, and mercy right now. It's, it's been paid for at the cross. You get to to receive it right now. So maybe as the band can just begin to play in a moment and, um, and we'll pray. And we're going to have an opportunity to take uh, communion now. There should be a, a, uh, some juice and a cracker on a seat near you. And uh, it's a wonderful place to finish a preach 
like this because it takes us right back to the cross. It takes us to where all of this was won and paid for on our behalf and it takes us there. And it's completely free. It's a completely free gift of grace for you and for me. No matter what, what, what you've done in the past, no matter what has been done to you in the past, we're made clean, wiped clean. loves you, no matter how you might view yourself, when he looks at you now, if you know and follow him, he sees Jesus. You're clothed in, in his righteousness. It's, a, it's astonishing that despite all the stuff I've got wrong in my life, that when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. How? How is that possible? Because of the cross. So if you're a follower of Jesus, just uh, encourage you to take the bread and the wine now. it's astonishing good news that you should die a horrendous death for us Lord, a death you didn't deserve, a death we deserved but that you would freely go to the cross because you love us Lord and we want to be those who, who, who build our lives trying to please you not to earn or repay or anything like that but out of just gratitude and grateful hearts for all that you've done for us, Lord. We say, Holy Spirit, we need you. We all need you, Lord, to to continue to change us, Lord. We all need your, your forgiveness daily where we just blow it and get it wrong. Holy Spirit, I thank you that we can just rely on your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. But we pray, Holy Spirit, change us, change our hearts, Lord. We need your help saying no to sin, ungodliness, not accepting condemnation from the enemy either, Lord. We need your your help in that, we pray. I just want to pray for anyone just feeling convicted by anything that I've said, Lord. I just pray that that they would just know your, your grace extends, your grace abounds. Lord, that word again, that your grace abounds, Lord Jesus. Love abounds, Lord. Thank you. Your body was broken for us, Lord God. Your blood poured out for us. Thank you, Lord.